All right, we are back with another amazing episode of the Elite Seller Show featuring Paul Barron. Paul Barron is a uh, very good friend of mine. He runs the Chat Marketing University, the Chat Agency. He's an Amazon seller, quite successful. And he has a very different, more methodical way of actually building brands and using influencers in a unique way. So uh, Paul's going to be talking about nano-influencers and brand building on Amazon and why it actually works to benefit your business. So again, Paul Barron, you can take it away, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> so we're going to try to... Your your assistant called what I was about two minutes in something like that. I was like total lost train of thought. I one of my friends is convinced that I have ADHD. Like she is convinced, and I don't know that I necessarily disagree with her. I just don't like labels and stupid stuff where you're going to say, "Well, I have this, and that's my crutch. That's why I'm a loser." And I think that like ADHD is one of those things you'd say, "Well, well, I can't do it because of this," and I think it's just bullshit. Um, not a fan of bullshit. I am salty today, though. I don't know if I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed or what, but we were talking about this, like influencer marketing and branding and like what it, what it all comes down to in my, the way that I build brands is I hate wasting anything. I hate wasting money. I hate wasting my time. I hate like building something. And then there's nothing that I hate more than spending hours and hours and hours on something and then not using it or having it go to waste or, uh, you know, that's like, I hate that. So that is like the bedrock of how I sort of function in life. I- efficiency. I, I hate inefficiency. And it could be because I was pretty poor growing up. I mean, I was always, you know, you eat your food, you're starving kids in Africa, blah, 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 you know, like that. So, you know, and that's a good thing to have, like not wasting things unless it, unless it comes to alcohol. Um, and then there's certain times when you should just be like, you know, I shouldn't finish that. Or, um, you know, just because that, whatever, you know what I mean? It leads to some, I can see some of the bottles in the background right there. Well, yeah. I mean, I, those are scotch. So it's, if you're, if you shoot scotch, I'll punch you in the throat. Like this is sipping scotch. It's, it's delicious. You want to enjoy it. It's for savoring it, You know, the end of the day you've worked hard and anyway, so t- let's talk. Okay. Brand building, right. Methodical. I'm all over the place. ADHD for, for real though, brand building. Like if you're going to, if you're going to go into business, seriously, why copy someone? Why don't you, why don't you just do something original? Leave your mark on the world. There's enough, you know, avocado peelers. You don't need to be the 23rd avocado peeler. You don't need to be the, the 15th silicone spatula. And oftentimes like you see all these like questions from people about like, you know, I launched my product and it's not getting sales or something. And I think that there's just this this dearth of information that's just garbage that it's like where people gurus paint Amazon and not just gurus but a lot of people that are like influencers Amazon influencers that don't actually run Amazon businesses they don't actually sell on Amazon and I'm like slipping back into this like I hate calling it an Amazon business right like there's Amazon businesses and then there's real business right I run real businesses we sell on Amazon we have real followings we trend on Reddit. We trend on Mashable. We've been on the Rachel Ray Show. We've been named best in our class by Parents Magazine. We've won the Eco Excellence Award. We were nominated for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, one of five businesses in the entire United States, Emerging Business of the Year a couple of years ago. So when I think of running businesses, my scope is not as small and myopic as the cheesy, scammy sellers that all they care about is how many rebates it'll take to get to the top of page one and why they can't get reviews on their blue silicon spatula because blue is so much better than red. And they're like, oh my gosh, my field of dreams, nobody's attending my baseball games. 
well, here's the thing, sweetheart. You built a baseball field in the cornfield in the middle of nowhere, but also there's 200 other thousand people that have done exactly what you've done. So is it any wonder that you're not getting reviews because maybe your product's garbage? I don't know. Maybe you're buying the exact same thing as 200 other people. It's insane. Yeah, it's, right? the, it's the Amazon cash grab. Instead of right. trying to diversify and make your product unique, they're just copying everybody else's models, seeing how much money they can actually churn out of the system. And then if the product fails, the product fails. Instead of actually putting time, energy, and effort into it, like you're clearly doing with your brands that have been recognized all over the place. Which is why I'm so salty. <laughs> because I spent the entire freaking weekend packaging. I, I, I think we did, let's see, I think we had about nine or 10,000 units come in. I think we had 1,800 left over. But we did that all last week. And why did we do this? Well, we switched to a new packaging um, because it's a brand, a better, better for the brand. Um, it's, there's a lot of other reasons. So we switched to better packaging because last year, Amazon in the middle of July shipped out two returned items that, uh, so we sell swim diapers, right? They're reusable swim diapers. If you want to compete with me, feel free to get crushed. Um, you'll waste all your time and money. But what I would encourage you to do is look at what we do and adapt it to your business and figure out, okay, how can I make something unique and stand out from the crowd, right? I think that there's so many, you're, you're smirking, but there's so many people in the Amazon space that they're like so afraid to say what they sell because literally what they sell, there's nothing unique about it. The only thing that they've done is research using Helium 10, which, shocker, everyone does that. I know. If you're following a research method that someone's teaching that you learned, there's thousands of other people doing exactly what you're doing. So you need to do something that makes you stand out from the crowd that isn't just looking at numbers on a page and figuring out how you can be the number one. Because what happens then is it devolves into cheating and you got to do black hat stuff because you don't have anything unique. So the only way that you can compete is by cheating. So you're basically just pooping in the same pool that everyone's swimming in. and then. Like surprisingly, you get your business shut down or, you know, you get into a really mean fight with one of your competitors because they know that you're attacking them and they're attacking you. And then you're both shut down and then you both lose all your money. Yes, this tip for now, tap approach. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, business is all kumbaya and it's all fun and rainbows and unicorn farts and stuff. But I really think that like we've built a good brand in partnership and collaborating with a lot of our, our um, you know, other businesses in our space because you know we're in our lane. So we partner with a company called Froggles. They they've they've got these amazing uh, goggles for kids. Uh, right in our demographic, we uh, we partnered with another company called MD Solar. They uh, they make reef safe uh, uh, sunscreen, all sorts of stuff. Um, those are just two that just came to the top of my head. We've we've done a, lo a lot of stuff, but the, the point is, um, if all you do is listen to about two podcasts from Amazon gurus about the latest trick and, and strategy and tactic for how you can rank number one on Amazon. And that is literally all you think about. You should stop doing this and go back to your day job because that methodology will burn you out. It's like running on a hamster wheel and all you're doing is everybody's doing the same thing. And so uh, when it comes to building brands, what I think of is, well, what is, what does a real brand have? Real brands have like raving fans. Well, how do you create raving fans? You got to start somewhere. You got to first understand your demographic. What problem are you solving? You got to understand it so much better than your competition. Because if you can get in there and you can create the best product in your space, 
that stands alone, that's unique, that connects with people on an emotional level. And it's not just about like, well, ours is blue or something. Like there's little hidden extras that we hide in this. So first, we're the only one in this category that adjusts for... Now, I'm showing you this like you guys should know what this is. If you're not a parent, You've never taken your kids swimming. You probably don't ever, you didn't, you probably never thought that swim diapers were a thing. And this is one of the reasons why I love, I love business because I had a client back when I was a consultant prior to getting like working for myself. She made, um, this was 2010, 2011. So she was early in e-com. She had this um, thing that was like a mouth. It was like a weird, it was like a mouth workout, but the, the, like, like little rubber bands, but instead of stretching your lips, it was like you do compression like 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 this with your mouth it's super goofy like yeah, jaw exercise yeah it's like a jaw exercise to like tone up your under chin and stuff and this was like 2010 she was selling over a thousand dollars a day which that's not that much you know in the scheme of things e-commerce wise but back then that was decent and it was all on her website on her own website and i love business right because that's a really weird product i would have never thought of and i don't know if it's if it actually does what it's supposed to do but she made a lot of money and she focused on story and why she built it, right? She's not focusing on the product. She's focusing on the problem, solving the problem. So this is, these are, when you, when you think about brands, right? You want to think about the lifestyle that you create. Like, what is it that you are enabling your customers to do that purchase from you? What's the lifestyle that they're going to live? If all you're selling is just a silicon spatula and you're selling being able to flip your eggs earlier, you're going to lose. You need to think about what is it about, let's say you have, Okay, and it's just, that's just one product, right? This is one one product in a line of products that we have. Our brand is about leaving lasting memories, creating positive memories with your kids while they're little, and leaving a positive lasting impact on the world. That's what our brand is about, and we do that through selling reusable swim diapers. Why do we? Or like, why does that? Why does that matter? Why like leaving a positive lasting impact? Well, when your kids are you know growing up, you when you're a parent. It, like your world changes. Um, if you're a good parent, your world really becomes about your kids and how you can help them be the best humans that they can be, like figure themselves out, you know, all that, all that sort of jazz. So, you know, going swimming and experiencing, you know, things is important. So what we did was we developed something that every single kid in the developed world needs to use if they're going swimming anywhere publicly. So it's a requirement. One, it's a necessity. Two, it's competitive, but it's niched. Um, you know, we're in a we're in a in a small niche. Swimming, swim diapers. Our target demographic is between well, parents of kids between the ages of birth and three years old. And we could have just you know had swim diapers that already you know existed and gone with crappy stock prints. But we're putting our personality into it. Every everywhere from the care label to you know the packaging, which this is upside down, like. All of this is telling the story of our brand. All of this is telling the story of how you as a consumer can create positive lasting memories. And then the pain points that we're selling against would be, it's a worry-free solution. You don't need to worry as a parent when you go to the, the pool that this one, this one is going to fit because it adjusts for like three years. Like our son who is six, sometimes we still force him to model the large size <laughs> and he hates it, but he does it anyway. Sure, he sports it well. Right. So it, 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 it adjusts. Um, we are the best in our class is not just named by ourselves, but like I said, wirecutter, parents.com, equal excellence award, all of these places, they talk about us being the best. And so 
How do you think that helps us sell on Amazon? I don't know, Josh, if you were a mother or a father researching things and parents.com named something as the best, would that maybe sway your decision? Well, that would definitely sway my decision. I'd also do some external research. Like I would actually look up the brand. I'd check them out on Amazon. I'd see if they have any kind of social proof, what kind of audience. Essentially doing my own personal research and then buying one out, seeing how it adapts and seeing just the quality of it. If it's worth it's, it. It's like you're a smart, intelligent human being that shops like other smart, intelligent human beings and does things that other smart people do. I know, right? It's almost like I'm a human being. Almost. It's insane. And so this idea, why I'm a little bit, I don't know. I just get salty about like shitty, stupid tactic. And it really, I don't like cheaters. And so when I see people that are like cheating and there's two things that go on in my brain. One, like why? What's the satisfaction in winning if you have to cheat? Seriously, anybody can cheat to win. Nothing, but that's a conversation for another time. I think what'd be cool to talk about right now with you, Paul, is since you're in a bit of a salty mood, uh, <laughs> is, is to talk about uh, how developing your own unique brand communities could have prevented a ton of the Amazon suspensions that are going on. Right. Oh my gosh, those are going around like popcorn. It's just like, it, it's like, Look, little, you know, you think that it's just that, man, it's everybody and their brother, it seems like massive companies getting suspension. So, well, again, let's just go back to like thinking about like business and problem solving, right? So you have a solution that solves problems better than your competitors. People buy your solution because it does a better job. And that's generally how business goes. Now, if you focus on branding and doing those things, then you're going to win. Really oversimplification. But the problem arises when people, like I said, they, they have inferior products. They, all they care about is making money. All they care about is just cashing out. And they don't think like, hmm, maybe I should do something to make my product better. Maybe I should focus on my business and how our, our brand can solve problems better. And so really, when I look at brand building, it's hedging your bets. It's the best way to hedge your bets against getting suspended. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to deal with crap that Amazon doesn't just screw stuff up. I mean, we had them uh, mislabel some stuff and it was, we'd never have them label anything. We've never had them label anything. Like I said, last July, Amazon shipped out return swim diapers that had some child had shat in. I can't, you know, that's not my fault, but the things that I can control are quality of product, quality of customer. <laughs> you're laughing because <laughs> I'm all over the place. No. Keep going. What are you laughing? What are you laughing? <laughs> so it's hedging your bets. Uh, building a solid product, building a solid brand, building communities is hedging your bets. And it's making everything cheaper in the future. Not just makes it cheaper in the future. So what I mean by launching products, it'll be less expensive if you're launching into an audience. If you have a group of people that when you launch a product and on social media, people start commenting, oh my gosh, it's so cool that you bought this. We bought them way before they were a thing. If you build a brand that people start saying, like, we got this before it was a thing, and, and people on social start saying that, it's going to be a lot easier to launch products into that type of atmosphere, right? That yeah, means... Really. That what I think is probably the most interesting part about the way that you do things, Paul, is that since you have these unique curated audiences in brands, that when it comes to releasing a new product, 
uh, the audience will actually adopt it a whole lot sooner than having to do a bunch of cold traffic or running rebates or doing any kind of these things that would be considered gray or black hat in the Amazon community. You know, that's a discussion for another time on rebates, but it, it allows you to really connect with your audience because they truly are raving fans. They love your products. They love what you guys design. And they also give you guys feedback, which allows you to make new products that right. you can release to that audience. And that's, I mean, that's, it's a full, it's a full life cycle because when we have questions about something, or let's say we're developing, we're developing stuff, we'll do a small prototype run. We'll get it to them, get their feedback, get, you know, real info from our, our fans and like how they like it. You know, what do you not like? What would you fix? What would you change? And then, you know, they help us in the prototyping process. Then when we're actually like finally releasing a lot of what we do is based on like design, design world type stuff like prints, right? So. You know, we have like this, this print, and then we have like this print, and then we have, I don't know, like 12 or 15 other prints. But my point is like, when we release new prints and things, we can say, well, which, which one would you like? Which ones do you like the best? We go to our, our group, our, our brand ambassadors. And so then they'll help us figure out which ones we should go with. And not just that, but then even like other products, like, okay, we're, we're wanting to develop um, like sun hats, for example, for kids, those are probably going to come out next year. Um, you know, when we're looking at like that, like what styles do you like? And we go to them. So it helps. It's just a whole life cycle. And this is where, again, coming back to looking at ways that you can game the system and rank and drive, you know, external traffic and stuff. I'm all about driving external traffic. I'm all about dominating on Amazon. Don't get me wrong. I want to be number one. I want to be best. Of, I want to be the bestseller. When we don't have the bestseller badge, it really annoys me. Um, don't get me like, I want to do that. But my, my point is that focusing on that to exclusion of everything else won't help you get there. You need to look at like the whole picture. So what is Amazon value in traffic? I know that they value, they do value external traffic. They value traffic from social media, from a diversity of places. Now, if the only traffic that they're getting was from your social media, like that's all the external traffic, or it's all coming from many chat, we know that that has a detrimental effect, right? Like if, if, I mean, that's why you hide to refer if you're sending traffic from many chat, because it, if, if that's like a little bit of traffic from there is good. Yeah, but a lot of traffic coming from there, then it's just a clear sign that you're trying to gain the system. Exactly. And so everything that we do is I look at, okay, like how can I set it up so that I don't, I get traffic on autopilot would be one way to look at it. Right. So one of the ways that we've done this really, really effectively is by getting in every single best of list that we possibly can get in. We pitch. We pitch best of list all the time, like the gamut, like we got in parents.com because we pitched them. Now we got into Wirecutter because the editor purchased our product. We didn't know about that when that was earned. It just happened. Right. But my point is that you, you have to think outside the box, getting great placements like that doesn't just happen because you exist. It doesn't just happen because you have a blue silicon spatula and everybody else is red, right? Um, it happens because you have a unique story. So let's take the silicon spatula, okay? If I was going to build a brand in the, in, I would look at, okay, what are, what are silicon spatulas used for? They're used in the kitchen. Okay, they're used for making food. Um, so then what I would build a brand around would be a, about the value of connecting with friends and family over a meal, right? That's the brand. The brand is connecting with people. The brand is, um, it's, it's about, the human element, the emotion, the, you know, the, the, the joys of meals, you know, you, what you look at things, uh, when people celebrate things, they have a meal, a wedding, you got a meal reception, funerals, good and bad. You have a meal, right? 
so that the dinner table is where people connect. That would be what I would build a brand around. And then I would have things to help further the brand's mission, such as silicon spatulas or better, you know, baking things or something along those lines, right? You get my point. So then relationships with cooking. Right. People are people are buying the relationship, not the silicon spatula. That's my point. People are buying the story behind why we started Bowen Bell Littles. And I encourage people, go to our website, look at the about us page. And it could be better. Um, we actually, we, we don't have an about us video. Uh, we have like a how to video. We have a bunch of other things, but that's one of those things that like, I know, like we could be doing a better job. Uh, we could have that, but we have our brand story everywhere on the back of our packaging. We talk about this. So I'll just read it. Bow and Bell Littles is a small family owned Colorado based company that designs and create creates reusable and adjustable swim diapers that are good for both the environment and your pocketbook. BB Littles are the number one swim diaper on parents.com and multiple other best of lists. They're recipients of the Dream Big Award, the Equal Excellence, and the Mom's Choice Award. We actually didn't receive the Dream Big Award. We were nominated. So that was a typo. Um, and then we have Care. For best results, knock solids into the toilet, machine wash cold, do not bleach, tumble dry low. For worst results, let several poops accumulate, bleach in boiling water with red and white dress shirts, blow dry on the roof rack. Now that's what I'm talking about, like little branding elements, little fun things, right? The entire that's purpose of a novelty of your products, which makes it unique. It's definitely going to stand out. And imagine like one mom reading that, finding absolute humor in that because you guys actually decided to put that on a care label and then sharing it with all her friends and then having it go viral by that, by that aspect. So it's all these little details that you're actually putting that build up the value of this brand and the persona of it over time. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate with you for a bit. Why would an Amazon seller want to do all this additional time, energy, and effort when they could just find something that's profitable and then sell it on Amazon with little to no changes to uh, the actual design? Because again, a lot of Amazon sellers, they're either coming in from influencers in the space that are telling them, hey, you can launch a product with 5K and you can become a millionaire in less than two years. You just wash, rinse, and repeat, no pun intended, uh, to essentially... Uh, have a uh, have a brand with a couple of products and then you can just sell that brand in a couple of years. I wouldn't necessarily say that advice is wrong per se, but it's not telling the whole story. It's not telling, yeah, you could start a business with 5,000. Ours, we started with, it was nine, 9,000. Um, we took we took the Amazing Selling Machine course and that was actually 6,000 at the time. And then the rest, 3000 was on inventory. We didn't spend a ton and we put it all on a credit card. Now, granted, that was back in 2015. Looking at people starting businesses today, I always tell them that you need at least 50 to 20 to really be like oh, like starting point because you got to think, okay, marketing spend. Um, you got to, there's all these superfluous stuff, extra things like trademark registration, registering, you know, building your website, creating a logo, doing branding, packaging, all that sort of stuff. Um, quite simply, if you have, let's say that you're the first one on a trend and you don't have a trademark. If you do a good job of making yourself the industry leader, if but, but that all comes back to branding too, storytelling, you might be able to stay at the top of the space. What I quite frequently see though, is people don't do that. And it's a, and it's a sad story of they were making a lot of money. I have friends that this happened to, dozens, that they were doing really well, making millions a year in, in top line revenue. And they just didn't continue to differentiate themselves or they didn't continue to add product extensions or focus on their business. They just focused on, you know, staying number one on Amazon to the exclusion of everything, not looking at branding off Amazon, all that. Eventually what happens is 
the market will catch up. There will be other people that outperform you. And eventually, your share of the pie decreases to the point where it might just completely go away. So this is hedging your bets for future. Not only that, but it's adding value to your business in equity that like I'd already outlined in the, in, you know, early was, uh, you'll make it launch, make, it makes launches easier. It makes product new product development easier. It makes getting reviews easier. Uh, all of that stuff, it makes it easier. Um, plus the equity piece, you know, when, when you go to sell your business, if you aren't building your business to sell, you need to start building it so that you can sell it. Even if you don't intend to sell it, because when you exit a business, if you are planning on exiting an acquisition firm or a company or a, or a person who's buying it, they want to buy something that they can easily in- integrate into their systems or just bring in people and then you have everything just up and running, right? It, when you exit your business, if you have a base of uh, you know audience that you can sell with it, that's an asset that you can sell. It increases the value of your company. So uh, I, would, I would say that's why, because it's, it's more valuable. It's more defensible. It's more money long term. Now, if your entire strategy was just to rank as quickly as you can and then exit your business within a year, you might still be able to do that. There, I don't know if people are still doing that, but that was a thing two or three years ago. Um, I just see that that business model is coming to an end. What I find interesting about your approach, especially in the long term implementations of this business, is that with the rise of aggregators coming into this space, uh, and they're just consuming brands left and right, chances are they could easily buy a brand today and that brand could get suspended tomorrow based off of the strategies that they've implemented with something that you're uh, very passionate about with brand building and nano influencer uh, audience engagement is that it seems that it's the full package, right? If I were to be an aggregator, you would be, your brand would be one of the brands that I would want to reach out to and see if I could purchase. Because one, it covers, it pretty much hits everything that I would consider uh, as a quality brand over time, right? You have your, your business running on Amazon, you have your website, you have your socials all over the place, you're recommended, you uh, clearly endorsed by a lot of people, Rich Ray, um, your parents magazine, you're on all these other websites and you have a uh, mass raving fan base. Now, with, with that being said, how do you go about developing unique products that are outside of the scope of what you're doing? Are you just going to stick inside the concept of, of baby products between a certain age range? Are you going to branch out? Are you going to do outfits for, for kids that are swimming? Like, where, where do you plan on going with this? Man, um, it's all like right now, we're so cash strapped because we're at the peak of our busy season. So we need to make sure that we save money for the slow season, right? So uh, there's a lot there's a lot that we have to consider because if we spend all of our money now investing in new products, we're not going to realize we're not going to see a profit from that for months, right? So since we're self-funded, those are all the things we have to take into consideration. Now, if money weren't an, an issue, if we were fully capitalized, um, mark my words, we will make more money in retail than we will on Amazon. I've said this, I haven't said it that confidently before, but we are very well positioned with our social proof to to make more money in in retail than we will on Amazon. And I've run them and I've run the numbers. And so those are things that we're looking at. So now product expansion, what does that look like? Is it going to be um kids swimming products? Initially, what we're looking at is like if I had two or three million dollars, five million sitting that I was sitting on, um, I would look, I would initially pull out every capsule that we have. So a capsule in fashion speak 
is um, accompanying items that you can purchase alone or they go together as a group, right? So this print, this, this shark's print, we have a matching rash guard in all the way from six month to I think 5T. So it's all the way up through five. Now, the, the difference there is obviously you can't make shirts adjustable like you can these. So it's we have a six-month size, a one-year size, an 18-month size, a two-month size, and that sort of thing. So investing in um, an initial run of shirts, for example, takes more time and money. And it also takes – well, it takes more time because you got to figure out which SKU is selling the most. After a year and a half of doing this, we know that the 2T SKU sells the most. In the 18-month, those, those two sell the most. So I would look at building out um, – the full capsule, which would include a matching hat that would go with this, the rash guard that would go with this, the swim pants or the swim diaper that already goes with it. Um, we would build out the hooded towel that would go with it. All of this would go together so that people could buy it standalone or they could buy it together and then you know group them all. So that's one thing. The other thing that we, we would do is, so we have little swim. So this would be the swim line. Then we would have like little's play, which would be toys. And then Little's Outdoors, which would be like other outdoor type products like coats and jackets and things like that. Another thing that we would do, um, we already have demand for this prior to going into Little's Play, Little's Outdoors, those sorts of uh, things. So again, what I'm doing here is, so our brand is Bowen Belt Little's, BB Little's. So we're already positioning it so that when we start to expand into these other niches, we have ready-made like sub niches, right? So like BB Little's is the the brand, Little's Swim would be the, you know, see where I'm going with that. Um, we have demand from our audience right now for matching mommy and me and daddy and me prints. So we would do actual daddy style. Like I'd wear this shark print as a shorts. Like that's cool. I like the one with the anchors more. Just the anchors print. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's where we would go is we would, we would go back to our community and say, which mommy and me or daddy and me print do you want to see? And then we would start developing out those mommy and me, daddy and me. Now, again, that's really capital intensive because say, if we go into swimsuits, what are the options we have? Um, you know, you have all the sizes, uh, right. So, and then if we wanted to do a couple different cuts, like all of that is individual development time, like design time, like prototype testing and wearing time, because we haven't ever made swimsuits. So we would need to make them test them. And that process is at least six months. So, um, I feel very confident that if, you know, the right company were to acquire our brand now, we, we're, not, we're not in the market for, we're not in the market now. We, we will be in about 18 months to two years. But we really are set up so that they can scale us the direct to consumer on our website. They can scale us on other online um, you know, channels, Walmart, eBay, et cetera, like where we, where we don't really focus a ton of our time and energy. We could start diversifying and getting more revenue. We could diversify by going international more and focusing on that. Uh, again, like this is all, all of these things are just capital concerns, right? Because spreading out internationally, what does that mean? That means more inventory. That means translated. That means translations in packaging. That means personalization and localization on the listings and making sure that we also have appropriate customer support that can deal with that. What, is that, what does that mean? Money. You know, if we would just have to hire people or, or something along those lines. So um, very long answer to your question. No, no, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, speaking of money and branding, and obviously that two-year time frame that you just mentioned, how would you recommend that existing sellers or new sellers start getting involved with the uh, with branding of their unique products and actually building out something that's essentially consumable and viable in maybe three to five years by an aggregator? Where would you say that they could start? 
Because I feel like there's there's a lot of information that you've just unpacked already. But where would they start? Like if you're an existing seller, how would I, if I'm an existing seller, where would I start? Would you recommend uh, a Facebook page, uh, uh, Instagram page, TikTok? Like all this takes time and energy. Would you go back to the product? Would you go back to the listing? Where would you start? I would go back to the brand core, which is way before product listing, customer, everything. I would look at what is it that you as a brand, what is your unique value proposition, right? How are you positioned to attract people to your movement? Think of your brand as a movement. How can you, if you could, if you could create a movement where people rally behind you because you're like doing something that they believe in, then like that's half the battle's already won. What what I would focus on is looking at um, for people that are just getting started, read the book uh, "Brand Thinking and Other Noble Pursuits" by I think it's Debbie Millman is her name, and it's basically a a, a bunch of interviews. It's a great book. And it all just talks about branding. I mean, another thing, get a book by my buddy, Ree Perez, um, your brand should be gay. Even if you're not the art and science of creating an authentic brand. Um, so Ree's a great guy. He actually lives in Austin with all the other marketing and tech people that are down there. Um, my, my point is that I would, I would go back to the basics and the basics are branding because it's harder to implement story and that sort of thing into an existing brand than it is to have it be integrated from the start. Then once you start on that core, then I would expand outwards and start looking at who is our who is our ideal customer persona. What is our number one customer persona? Now we have four or five. Let's see. So we would have I think it's five. Um, our main persona. Her name is Kristen. She represents about ninety percent of our purchasing, and um, she's a mom with three kids. Uh, she is a full time mom. Her debt. Her her husband works full time. So she's at home with the kids. So her job is is being mom, and she shops at Whole Foods. Uh, she'll shop primarily at Target uh, for like groceries and or like like uh, clothes and things. Um, Love Starbucks. This type of person, right? So when when we when we think of Kristen, I think okay, well, where does Kristen hang out? Where do her friends hang out? What magazines does does Kristen read? And mommies, generally speaking, are on Instagram. So I know that our people are on Instagram. Some of them are on TikTok. They're all on Pinterest. And so my job then as a marketer and communicating my brand story. So branding is, is opening a conversation. Branding is what gets you noticed. Branding is like the clothing that you wear when you go out and let's say you're single and you want to, you want to look good. You want to maybe, you know, you know, meet somebody at a bar. I've never, I'm, I was never good at this. You know, I didn't, I didn't meet people. I'm not super smooth, but Whatever. It's like the clothing that you wear. It's not who you are. Like that's the branding. Branding opens the conversation. Now, you're going to have a lot more conversations if you look really good and you're cleanly shaving and you're wearing a nice, you know, $10,000 suit or something than you will if you look like you haven't washed yourself in a month and you just crawled out of a tent. You know, if you're trying to get a date, like chances are you're going to get one if you like put time into your appearance. That's what branding is. Marketing is sealing the deal. Marketing is just going out and saying, like, hey, look at my buddy. Look at his suit. Marketing's the wingman. Marketing's like, hey, have you seen Josh? Dude, you know how much you know how much Josh spent on his suit? Ten thousand dollars. You know, you know what? I bet that means that he's got like lots of now. I'm not trying to get you a good date, obviously. I'm just trying to get somebody a little, I don't know, you can have fun with or something. I'm a terror. This is terrible. Where am I going with this? Anyway, my point is marketing is sealing the deal. 
how would I go about, how would I go about uh, marketing my brand? I know my brand. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to market your brand the same. Uh, you know, maybe your demographic is completely different. Maybe your demographic doesn't even go on social. Um, it's all about your demographic, all about understanding your audience and understanding the interaction that your products play with that audience, right? You know, looking at how can I make their lives better? You know, throwing in the fact that the entire purpose of a swim diaper is to keep poop out of pools. Well, let's just make poop funny, right? Poop jokes are funny. So those are our people. Those are our people. That's how we communicate. And that's, we would go to Instagram. We know that they're also on Facebook. They do some research on YouTube. They do some research on Pinterest. So that's where we would go. Now, for different people's brands, you got you to gotta know your audience. Talk to them. The best way to understand your audience is interview them, call them and ask them, where did you, what, you know, why did you buy from us? Or if you can't call from them, there's this really cool thing called ManyChat that's super frustrating at times <laughs> you're doing this. <laughs> but post-purchase insert funnel. Okay, let's talk about that. Lowest hanging fruit that there possibly freaking can be. It's like, it's like free money. If you're not having a post-purchase insert funnel, why? Like, why? Just try a little. Um, but post-purchase goes a long way. Yes. Yeah. Because again, that's going to help you make the brand a whole lot better. That that right there will help you improve your product and help you continue to differentiate. What I find is really interesting is your personas. You talked about one of your personas. You said that there was there were Kristen. three more. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the second one, the second biggest will be grandma. And grandma, grandma loves to buy stuff for her grandkids and she overbuys. In fact, she doesn't know how many she should buy, but she wants to spoil her grandkids. The so grandma will buy three or four swim diapers when she really only needs one. I love grandma, like, because she buys all the time. And then we have the, so that's the second. Then we have the coolant or the coolant would be uh, either an actual physical blood relative or the honorary aunt who is like, you know, the best friend, right? And the cool aunt wants to be cool. She wants to buy the best gift at the baby shower. And she wants to be super thoughtful and creative. And so that's, that's the cool aunt. She's number three. And then the fourth would be the dad. And the dad just buys the stuff that the mom tells him to buy. Unless, unless it's the gay dad. And then that's completely different. But generally speaking, and now this is, okay. So backing all this up, don't, I'm serious. Stereotypes are, stereo, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. No, no, it's true. I, I definitely believe that, especially when it comes to your advertising as well. So I'm, I'm Yeah. So, I mean, a funny joke would be like, hey, dad, get this. Your wife will love you or something along those lines. Like, don't worry. She's going to love it. You won't get in trouble for this purchase or something along those lines. Because I'm husband. I get in trouble for buying shit for myself all the time. Or I don't buy something that I should have bought and I buy the other thing and then I get in trouble. And I'm like, well, I thought it was this or whatever. Like, so that's, that's, that's the fourth persona. But we primarily, I mean, we really focus our audience build out on Kristen, on that persona. And the reason why we named her Kristen, because we have a uh, super fan named Kristen who literally buys every single thing that we sell. She doesn't need to, but she does. And because she loves the brand. And so we build our persona and that's why you call it your ideal persona. If you could get a thousand Kristens, so if we could get a thousand Kristens that literally buy every single thing we sell when we release it, like launching would be Kate. We wouldn't even need to run ads. We could just text message Kristen and be like, hey, it's out today. And Kristen would pay full price because she does. Kristen pays full price. So we use Kristen as the seed. If we can cultivate a forest of Kristens, and the chances are that there are a lot of other people like Kristen throughout the United States. And so that's what we do. We focus on persona, 
the interaction with how our products help Kristen and then how we as a company can best talk to Kristen because people like to communicate with people that communicate with them in the methods and means that they communicate. Now, let's extrapolate this and give two polarizing ends. I don't speak Russian. I don't have conversations with Russians in Russian. I speak English. I'm a white guy who was raised in a culture, somewhat not very culturally diverse area. The only diversity where we have Hispanic people here, half of my Hispanic, half of my family is Hispanic, married in. And so like me, I talk to people that are, that I feel comfortable with, that are like me. Like I grew up thinking that Orle Chinga was something that you said when you were surprised. I didn't realize that. Now, this is like a little bit about me, but my point is, is that like, I relate to my cousins, right? Family, basic, like we get each other, right? Like I feel comfortable around them. That's what you want to do with your people. You want, you, you need to recognize that how they communicate with each other is going to be different than how you generally start to communicate. The only way that you're going to know how to do that is if you start talking to them and you interview them. Um, you get people to register their purchase. And then you could just very simply at the end, how are you liking your product? Or can you give us some feedback? I love that word feedback because feedback is different than a review because it's you're saying, hey, we, we always want to make our products better. We always want to make our swim diapers better. We want to know, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Is, what are your thoughts? That's a great, that's a great one. What are your thoughts? People like to give you your thoughts. But if you can put your people in a position of being a hero, right? So let's say that I sold a skin cream that helped people with acne or something. Put people in the position of being a hero. If you can say, hey, if our, if, um, you know, you've been able to, you know, find relief from your acne problem or something like I would need to rewrite this like four or five times. But the, the point is, if you found relief from your acne problem, would you mind, you know, helping out some other people that were like you? Because if they've truly been helped, and you give them the opportunity to be a hero to help other people, chances are people are going to take it. Yeah, and chances are with something like that, like if you're actually making a cream that helps somebody relieve their acne, eczema, rosacea, somebody's going to notice and then they're going to ask, what did you use to, because I noticed that you were suffering from this, what did you use? Or I noticed that you had some kind of skin condition. What did you use that helped you clear it up in such a lightning fast time? Oh, I used this. Oh, I used that. And that right there have a massive mushrooming effect on an audience. You never know actually whose life you could actually change with a quality product. There's a lot of misinformation and, and bad information going on now specifically about what you can have in insert cards. All you need to do is read the terms of service. Seriously, it's not that hard. Just go to Amazon, go to Google, type in Amazon's terms of service reviews. Then read everything you can about getting reviews and how you can get or or review manipulation or rank manipulation, Amazon terms of service. Read it up yourself and see like the, the basically the defining line is in your inserts, uh, you cannot have any incentive to leave a review, right? That's the key to leave a review. Uh, but says nothing about having people register their purchase or get something for a warranty. Those are completely separate things. So what I do is I would get people to either register the purchase for warranty or register their purchase for uh, like a $10 gift card or something. I like the opportunity. I like the, the best ones that I like are where it's a, a simple thing that everyone wins just for or gets receives just for registering. And then a big prize that everybody gets and that you get entered into that there's like one winner a month or something. The more, the more things that you can give people for registering their purchase or taking some action, uh, the more successful you'll be in getting registrants and building a list. So that would be, I'd have a lead magnet. I'd say, you know, click here or scan this code or something. 
And, you know, you could take them into ManyChat or you can take them to a landing page. The point is you want to capture their details. You want to find out, um, well, that's then, then what you do is up to you. You could spin it so that it's a, uh, you're, you're doing a review, a review request. So like in that, like, what are your thoughts? You know, if you've, if this has helped you in any way, would you like to leave your thoughts to help other people like that? Or you could drive people into a, like an ambassador team, a brand ambassador team or a brand rep team, right? That's one, one thing that you could do. Another thing you could do is you could send them into a segmentation survey, right? So, um, we've done this successfully for several different clients and what we'll typically do is we'll have one lead magnet to go through, start the registration pro- process, and then a bigger lead magnet, something like a bigger prize. Like, hey, if you want to take another five minutes and ask, uh, you know, answer some more in-depth questions, we have this X for you, right? So $10 site credit or $20 site credit or $10 Amazon gift card or something. And then we go through, right, segmentation surveys. Then where you ask those questions, like I was saying, like talk to your customers, talk to Kristen. You ask them things like, you know, what problems have our product solved for you? They're going to tell you the marketing copy to use in your listing. If you if if you ask people that, what problems have our product solved for you? Put that in your detail page. Put that in your marketing copy. Then you want to look at then other questions that you would want to ask are things like, where do you shop? What magazines do you read? Um, you know, what's the most important thing in the world to you? Or what is the most important thing in life? Because what you're doing is this is psychographic information. And when you start getting a picture into how people think, then you can start figuring out how you can communicate with them and drive them to purchase your product. Because everything that's coming out of my mouth originates in my brain first. How I speak starts here, then it comes out my mouth. If you understand this, you're going to make this. You, that's If you can get into your heads. And so that's what the customer segmentation survey is designed to do. So there you go. That's fantastic. Long, rambly all over the place salty <laughs> don't worry we'll have paul back on for another episode he'll be uh potentially less salty but we might be talking about a, t- a subject that he may actually just go full a full tilt and be full salt and next time paul's uh be back on we'll have him ch- talk about chatbots and and, uh, and, re- and his thoughts on rebates if you guys definitely want to hear that uh, leave a comment below. As always, Paul Barron, thank you for being on here. Uh, you can find Paul Barron all over socials. You can find him on Facebook. He has a website. He has an Instagram handle. You can find him on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, Paul, it's been a pleasure having you on here, man. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. I'm glad that uh, you helped steer this because I was like going all over the place, man. This is fun. No, it is. It is. I, like I said, I really enjoyed having you on here. So uh, if you guys definitely enjoyed this podcast, make sure you head on over to EliteSeller.com. Sign up for your 14-day free trial. Uh, Make sure you put the code JOSH15 in at the end. That will uh, be a 15% off for life for your account. Thanks, Paul.